You're listening to Episode 6. Hello and welcome to What Leaders Know. It's the podcast for people on leadership journeys. I'm your host, Penny Beeston. I help people take their leadership to the next level. You can learn more at whatleadersknow.com. Thanks for joining me today. What do you conjure up in your mind's eye when you hear the term leader? Well, today's guest is a leader of a different ilk. We're going to get up close and personal with a remarkable woman who is leading change, using online and social media tools as an accessible platform. In my previous podcast, I interviewed Mary Williams, CEO of Belmont Private Hospital. Mary's interview was powerful in taking us deep into the complexities and challenges of perinatal mental health. And I wanted to round out Mary's interview with insights into the community face of leadership in support of women experiencing perinatal mental health issues in Australia. Ariane Beeston is a former child protection psychologist turned writer and mother of one. After experiencing postnatal psychosis, Ariane developed a passion for perinatal mental health and ensuring other women and families receive the support they need on their journey to parenthood and beyond. Today, Ariane will share insights into her lived experience and how this is informing the changes she's leading through her work with COPE, the Centre of Perinatal Excellence. Welcome, Ariane. Thank you. I reached out to you because your work is making perinatal mental health information and resources accessible for all women, men and families. Can you talk about your journey with us? Yes, my pleasure. Uh, listening to Mary was so insightful and brought back many memories of my own time on the mother and baby ward here in New South Wales. Uh, similar to, uh, to Mary's ward, she was saying that's, I think, the only private mother and baby ward in Queensland. I was fortunate to live near the only private mother and baby mental health ward in New South Wales. The ward itself, the experience was it was incredible in, in hindsight. It, it was extremely overwhelming and scary at the time. But I think with hindsight, I can look back and just see how helpful it was and how the professionals in the ward, I think as Mary spoke to, really wrapped around us and really walked beside us. I, I loved that the quote Mary mentioned about the importance of walking alongside a person to be the best well person they can be. I thought that was beautiful and that certainly was my experience on the ward. Through your work with COPE, you're drawing on your own lived experience to open up access to current and relevant information that wasn't available to you when you experienced PND. What's inspiring you to drive change for other mothers? It was it was a difficult time and I think what what's inspiring me now is is being able to look back on what I didn't have the resources that weren't there for me or that I weren't aware of when I was struggling and to be able to really work out you know what, what can we be doing to better support women uh, as they enter pregnancy and and then beyond can you describe your early experience Ariane I felt uh, I felt very alone. I felt very isolated. I felt that I was the only one going through it, and I think that's that's not true. And I have since learned that one in five expecting or new mothers, and one in ten expecting or new fathers will experience perinatal anxiety or depression. So it's common. We need to get better at talking about it. We need to get better at identifying it, and we need to get better at treating it. 
Those stats are pretty startling, aren't they? Are they Australian statistics? Yes, yes, exactly. The numbers are alarming and I think there's certainly not enough awareness, um, particularly around fathers. I think there's more understanding and even sympathy for women who endure anxiety or depression, but we're still, I think, not comfortable perhaps with the idea that dads can experience depression during pregnancy, but also after the birth of the baby as well. So that's something I think we need to get better at and, and being comfortable with that idea. So there's obviously varying levels of severity. Can you talk a bit about those different levels experienced by mums with PND? Well, obviously, about 80% of new mums experience the baby blues. Um, so that's uh, quite common in the days following um, birth. But what we need to be more mindful of is as mums sort of settle into the new routine and those feelings of sadness or loss of appetite, not being able to sleep or feeling like they're not connected to the baby or they just have no energy, those those feelings, if they last for more than two weeks, that's when uh, when when it's more concerning and, and when uh, families should seek help. So it, it definitely can be on a spectrum. Uh, obviously, it can be mild, it can be moderate, and it can be more severe. Um, certainly in, in my case, it was uh, very severe. I had postnatal psychosis, which it's rare. It uh, affects about one in one to two in a, a thousand women. So, but it, it's dangerous and severe, and that's why I was admitted to the mum and baby ward. In our conversation, Mary Williams spoke about the impact of well-intentioned people actually disempowering mum by taking over the care of the baby. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, as Mary mentions. Uh, families can certainly overstep um, with the best of intentions because they see that mum's struggling and they want to support her. Um, but that can often have the effect of, of undermining her confidence and then making her feel like she is even more of a failure because she can't even look after the baby. And, and then that sort of feeds into to what she's feeling and, and it becomes a bit of a vicious cycle. So um, certainly my experience of being on the ward was that the the nurses were there to support and to sort of wrap around you and, and to give you uh, advice and guidance, but there certainly wasn't at all the, oh, just, just to give me the baby, I'll feed the baby or I'll, I'll settle the baby. It was very much, uh, yeah, we, we are supporting you to learn those skills and to, to empower you to be able to feel that you have the confidence to be um, the best mum you can be. Uh, which was, it's difficult. And, and I, when I was admitted, my baby was actually older than most of the other babies on the ward. Uh, he was nine months old at the time, um, which meant that I didn't need as much of the hands-on support that some of the other women did. The reason why my little one was older was because I struggled. I suffered in silence for a long time before putting my hand up and saying that I needed help, uh, which meant that that, that help came later uh, on the ward. There were it was mostly uh, women with very young babies, so women who had been identified quite early on in their journey, which was great. Um, and they therefore were um, still breastfeeding in in many cases. They were still waking up 
many times during the night um, and they were still learning how to do those things that come naturally after a few months, but changing nappies and settling and heating bottles and, you know, how do I hold the baby? How do I burp the baby? Things that are a steep learning curve when your mental health is solid, but even more difficult, obviously, when you're fragile, when you're um, not feeling like yourself, when when you're broken, it's, um, yeah, it, it, it's tough. It's tough. So definitely my recollection was of being held in that space, but certainly being supported to, to be hands-on and to learn how to be a mother and, and to be able to leave the ward and feel that I had the confidence to do that outside of the safety of that space. I'm interested in the invisibility of perinatal mental health. You spoke about suffering in silence and Mary spoke about the challenge for people to understand to understand an illness they can't see. I thought that was very, very powerful. Um, you know, Mary spoke about if you if you have a broken leg, you have the the visible cast or the crutches. But with mental health issues, you you often can't see it. And I think it's particularly the case as a new mum because you are in the lead up to having a baby. There's a lot of excitement. Everyone's thrilled, and everyone tells you that you know it's the happiest time of your life. And it's exciting and it's built up. And I think, you know, as we often, often on the other side, you sort of look at the people around you and think, oh, why didn't you tell me? Why, why didn't you tell me it was so hard? And the reality is, and I think Mary spoke to this too, that you can't possibly know what it's going to be like until you're there yourself. And, and so you get there and you suddenly think, well, I thought this was going to be butterflies and, and unicorns and walks in, in the sun with the pram and, and lying in the park with my baby gazing into each other's eyes. And, and that's not at all what's happening. And why <laughs> am I the only one who's not feeling that? And it can be very lonely and very isolating. And you just feel such a sense of failure and I'm not doing this right, I'm not getting this right, and it's just, it's incredibly demoralising. Ariane, you're passionate that other new mums aren't going to experience the feelings of isolation and failure that you speak of, and you draw on your own lived experience, matching it with your professional background as you work to remove the stigma of mental health disorders in the perinatal space. And In doing that, you're making resources and information accessible to all women and men who are going into this phase of their lives. At what stage did you sense the need to step up and influence the outcomes for other mums? Yes, yeah, so I was uh, fortunate enough to um, to discover the Centre of Perinatal Excellence as I was progressing through my own recovery. I had uh, started doing a little bit of writing about my own experience and I actually uh, contacted um, Dr. Nicole Hyatt, who's the founder and, and executive director of COPE, and said, look, I, I love what you're doing. This is my own experience. I I write. Could, could I be of value at all in what you're doing? And she absolutely ran with that and said, yes, you know, how, how can we work together? What can we do? And she basically um, created a, a, a role for me and the rest is history. So what really drives me in the work that we're doing at, at COPE 
is looking at what would have been really useful for me as I was going through that and how can we ensure that other women and men don't fall through the gaps and can be identified and can be supported on what can be you know, an incredibly tumultuous and vulnerable time. It'd be good to get some insights into the projects that you're working on at COPE and the impact they're going to have. So some of the um, some of the projects we've been working on, we have a ready to cope guide, which is an, an e-guide, which is timed to where you're at in your pregnancy um, or postnatal journey. So you um, sign up to the guide and you indicate whether you're uh, six months pregnant or whether the baby's three months old, and you receive support guidance, you know, evidence-based advice that's timed to that particular stage. We talk a lot about the physical side effects or physical sort of symptoms of, of pregnancy. So there are a lot of apps out there or, you know, various sort of guidance around, oh, baby's the size of a grapefruit or, or baby's now a watermelon. But we don't talk about, okay, well, what's actually going on for you um, at the moment in terms of your relationship changes or your identity changes or what's going on um, in terms of, of grief even and of the things that you're about to leave behind as you enter um, motherhood. So that is very much focused around highlighting some of the uh, emotional and mental challenges that parents face on the journey through pregnancy and beyond so that they can prepare for some of those things. We really like to focus on not just the pathologies so not just um, what can go wrong in terms of experiencing anxiety or depression or psychosis, but how we can actually give men and women the tools to be able to go, okay, we are going to experience relationship changes on the other side of this and this is going to impact your sense of identity and this is going to impact the way you see yourself in the workplace or the way you just the way you move through life everything changes so how can you actually process some of that before it happens and be prepared for that so that when it does, it's not quite so much of a shock because I think, you know, as you know, motherhood can come as a shock, fatherhood can come as a shock. And the more we sort of talk about those things before they happen, the more sort of powerful I think it can be in terms of being able to work through them and and thrive in the role as, as a parent, as a mum, as a dad. The resources you're developing are available online. Does COPE operate within the boundaries of Australia or is it global? We're very, very much focused on um, on Australia. I mean, our resources, we have a fantastic website where we cover conception. So for a lot of women, the, obviously the journey starts from trying to have a baby and, and for some women have difficulties, so infertility, miscarriage, going through IVF. So our resources are obviously available to, to anyone around the world. So covering from, from conception to pregnancy to those early, early months. And so they're available for everyone. Our digital screening tool, which is going to be released in all public um, maternity hospitals around Australia this year is very exciting actually we're looking forward to our digital tool will mean that more women are screened um, for perinatal mental health issues which means that they'll be um, those who need help or who are at risk will be identified and can be referred to appropriate supports and, and treatments. What do we know about the numbers of women we currently screen for perinatal mental health issues in Australia? 
there was a study actually out last week that showed that 20% of women still aren't being screened um, for perinatal mental health issues. So we've come a long way, but we can do better. And I'm very proud to be you know, working with COPE to improve that number and, and to make sure that more women are being screened and, and fewer women are falling through the cracks. Actually, Mary was using it at Belmont's private, so that's exciting. So we received um, government funding to roll it out throughout Australian public hospitals, so we'll see that happen later in the year. It's also used in private, so private obstetricians um, use it. It's being rolled out in various places as we speak. It's something that is going to make a tangible difference. If this tool had been available to you in the early stages of your illness, would it have played out differently for you? Yes, I think it probably would have. What I would say is um, for a lot of women, it, it's easy to, to budge in terms of, well, you know, I'm not feeling that bad or, or maybe um, this is just a normal aspect of, of motherhood and, yeah, I'm a bit tired and I'm crying a lot and, you know, I'm not really feeling like seeing anyone or I'm really not feeling like myself. Maybe that's just how it is. So I think perhaps in the early days not so much, but um, certainly by the time I got into hospital, those tools are obviously more useful in, in that regard. But, yeah, I think for a lot of women, it, it's, it's often not the first instance. It's sometimes further down the track before they feel ready um, to ask for help. I think our own research at COPE shows that um, 74% of, of women actually waited until they got to the point where they simply couldn't cope anymore before asking for help. So we need to get better at, I think, making sure that women know that they can speak up early. They don't have to wait until they literally can't cope. And, and they're collapsing and, and, and they've absolutely got nothing left in the tank before it's okay to ask for help. So in the journey from conception to giving birth, at what stage are hospitals using the tool to assess women's well-being? So it is used during, um, during pregnancy, so during antenatal visits and also postnatally as well um, because obviously we know that, that things can change. So you can have um, a reasonably smooth pregnancy but it's uh, bird issues emerge in the postnatal period or women can experience antenatal depression and anxiety during pregnancy, but, you know, in the postnatal period can, can be okay. So it really captures, I guess, that spectrum at a time we know that, that women are extremely vulnerable to these, these, these mental health issues. And what are some of the most popular resources that people are tapping into on the COPE website? It takes families on the complete journey. So we have uh, resources around um, even if you're just starting to consider having a family uh, and then if there, if you've had uh, issues conceiving, so issues with infertility, there's uh, resources around coping with uh, IVF, with the emotional and mental challenges and the physical challenges of that. There's uh, lots of resources around going through pregnancy and then the postnatal period. So there's a, a, a lot of resources around coping with birth, uh, what happens when birth doesn't go to plan. Uh, for a lot of women, the experience is very, very different to how they anticipated. So there's uh, resources around coping with birth trauma. And then issues around uh, identity and coping with, with how do you cope with a crying baby? How do you cope with the changes to your relationship, to body image, to your sex life, to what it means to um, return to work, um, breastfeeding? It's all there. 
as I mentioned, you have the Ready to Cope um, guide, which is now uh, available for uh, women and men. It's also being adapted into a number of different languages as we speak. Uh, it's been adapted for um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders uh, for women, and we're about to be uh, commencing work on our version for Indigenous dads as well, which is very exciting. We also have in development an eCOPE, um, which is a directory of perinatal mental health services around the country. So that is soon to be launched. And that's really key in terms of a sort of final piece of the puzzle. So once you've been screened and it's been identified that you do need further support, um, being able to actually identify someone who has expertise in that area, who's nearby, who um, is, is going to be appropriate to then support women and men through that. So that's exciting. That'll be out soon and that'll really make sure that, that families are connected to the supports and services they need. So we've also just collaborated with, uh, with Mama Shrine. So they're a fantastic organization, um, who connects women around the country for face to face meetups, but also online support. So just another way that we're ensuring no women are, are left behind. Um, a bit like mothers groups, but also just, um, being able to connect with women in, in your local area and, and and have that social support, which we know is so, so important for, for women in those early days, which in what's such, an, it can be incredibly isolating. Ariane, thank you for joining me on today's episode of What Leaders Know. Through your work with COPE, you apply your lived experience and professional background to lead change in the perinatal mental health space. For listeners with an interest in perinatal mental health, episode four of What Leaders Know is a conversation with Mary Williams, CEO of Belmont Private Hospital. For listeners on leadership journeys, Ariane's journey to leading community change demonstrates the power of sharing the lived experience. This level of leadership takes enormous courage and its impact on driving change is incredibly powerful. And finally, if you're wondering whether Ariane and I might be related, given our surnames, yes, I am blessed and proud that Ariane is my daughter-in-law. I'm in awe of this woman, and I'm just one of many, many admirers. (laughs) Listeners will find show notes from this episode on my website, whatleadersknow.com. The resources of COPE, including their links to a myriad of other perinatal mental health resources, are available on their website, cope.org.au. COPE works closely with Mama Tribe, a meet-up community putting mums in touch with mums. Thanks for listening. This has been What Leaders Know, the podcast for people on leadership journeys, and I've been your host, Penny Beeston. Stay safe.